about this time, uh, I think about 10 years ago, it could have been nine years ago, um, in August, in the blazing heat, about 105 degree heat index, Susan and I were sitting on the side of the road with a blown transmission in our 1991 Chevy van that was towing a 1989 leaky travel trailer, which was our full-time home at the time. <coughs> the transmission had blown on our way down to Ocala, Florida, where we were going to be joining a ministry uh, that, had minister, that had been mentors to us, still is really, Tony Loeffler and Solid Rock International. Um, we were going to minister with them in Ocala, and then we were going to set sail for the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally all the way across the country, and then prisons in Montana. Uh, we left home with $1,000 in our ministry bank account. That's all we had. Um, that was hardly enough to make that trip, but we said, well, here's our two fish and our five loaves. Here we go. We got about four or five hours from home. The transmission blows up on the van. We're stuck on the side of the road. I've never been in this situation before. It's blazing heat. We don't have a generator in the camper, so we can't have any AC in there. Um, our dogs are dying, and uh, I had a poor phone signal, but I finally got through to a record service. It took three hours for them to get out there. In the process, I discovered fire ants for the first time when they attacked my legs as we were loading the van up. Um, never been in this situation before. Uh, they towed my van to a local shop. Actually, it was a half hour away, and they dropped our camper for us at a KOA, also a half hour away. And uh, we put out a help on the internet. Um, and let me, let me, I titled this The Secret to Seeing the Supernatural. Um, we all love secrets, right? We want to know the secret to success, the secret to life. There's a book called The Secret, and uh, it's all about seeing it in your mind first. And there's some truth to that, but it's got to go deeper than just what we want. And um, so this is what God kind of revealed to me it, while I was standing on the side of the interstate as they loaded our van up. And throughout that whole process, I kept hearing in my heart, Mark, mercy has to be the motive. Mercy has to be the motive. It took me back to when Susan and I had fasted and prayed before we launched Life on the Verge and she left her job and we moved into a camper full time, is that if we'll make mercy the motive, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. We'll get through it. And so, indeed, we saw the supernatural. I mean, it re a miracle, okay? So we it took three days, but within three days, we had a brand new transmission and we were back on the road and we did the entire trip. We put out a help. We didn't have any what I call sugar daddies, people that gave thousands of dollars at one time, any of those kind of people on our mailing list, really. We just put it out on Facebook, I think. Hey, we broke down, we're trying to do this thing. And uh, we saw $7,000 come in. We never saw that before. It cost $3,000 to fix the, the camper and the rest of us helped us complete that entire journey. Truly a super, natural thing and then on the way back i think we'd been on the road living in the camper about a year and a half or something like that and we were like lord we really need a house we really need a base of operations we're running our studio our office everything out of this old camper we appreciate it we love it it was a miracle in itself that you provided the funds to get it but we, if this thing's going to grow, we need more space. And at the time, we didn't have a W-2 to show we made enough money to even rent an apartment. I'd never been in that situation before. 
And the other thing we were praying about was medical insurance. Like we were, we're aging. We're we're going to need medical insurance. I've never been without medical medical insurance since I started working full time all the way back in my teen years. You know, we'd always had medical insurance, and and I was like, Lord, we're praying for these two things. And uh, sure enough, we got back, and and that fall. Uh, Pastor Stan Grant, who had been courting me for quite a while to come base out of Clover Hill Church, um, I was reluctant because I, I felt like the Lord had had basically spoken to my heart and said, "I don't want you looking to any man. I want you looking to me." And uh, and so finally, you know, I, I know Stan. He's my dear friend. I've worked with him for thirty years, uh, and. I was a volunteer at first, and and I, and a part of me was like, well, I don't want any pastor to think I'm coming to work for their church. No, we've got a thing that the Lord has called us to do, and so I expressed that to Pastor Stan. I said, look, God has called us to do this thing, and I can't devote hours and hours of time uh, to church work. I love the church, don't get me wrong, but that's not what God has called us to do. And he's like, man, we want you on the road as much as you can be on the road. That was his heart. And so I said, okay, we'll look at it. But, you know, we've been praying for a house, man. We're trying to get medical insurance. We'll get you a house. I don't even know what he meant by that. And uh, sure enough, you know, I didn't know that that a man that is like the top three, one in the top three builders in the Richmond area goes to that church and has since for now almost eight years provided the house that we live in uh, for, a, for a deal that can't be beat. He didn't, he bypassed, he went on Stan's word that we were trustworthy, no credit report. All, our credit report was fine, but our income, again, wasn't documented. But the Lord has just did these supernatural things over and over. Talk, I've t- probably told those stories in podcasts before, but we, we have seen those over and over. And yes, it was in response to uh, our faith, I guess, but at the root of that, there had to be mercy. But I'm going to take it a step deeper than that when it comes to seeing secrets uh, or the secret, the secret to seeing the supernatural, at least in our experience, okay? And I believe this has got much biblical precedence, but mercy is defined by Webster in his 1828 dictionary, my favorite dictionary. He defines it as that benevolence, mildness, or that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or treat an offender better than he deserves. I'm going to give you more, but I looked at that and said tenderness of heart. Let me assure you, if this sounds self-aggrandizing, my heart is not always tender, nor am I always mild. Sometimes we do what we do, and I have to check myself. I've got that spirit of Ezekiel who said he went and did what God told him to do in bitterness of spirit. I don't always feel like showing mercy. I get self-focused, self-centered, selfish all the time. But I have to come back to let mercy be the motive. So this is what he says mercy is. It's benevolence, mildness, tenderness of heart that disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. He even uses um, scripture. Uh, he uses Numbers fourteen eighteen as an example. The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. Now, I, I asked myself this morning as I was you know, reading the Word, I'll, I'll share what I read this morning in my devotions in a second, because it contains the secret to seeing the supernatural. I asked myself, well, what is the difference 
between mercy and love. And it came to me, you know, this is kind of my definition, that grace and mercy and even faith are fruit of love. They are, they are acts of love. At the root of it must be love. I read in 1 John, I won't read the whole thing in chapter 4, but it's called uh, the love chapter because John talks about love. He says in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this The love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that he might, so that we might live through him. He's just echoing John 3.16, isn't he? What Jesus said, that God so loved the world, he sent his son so that we wouldn't perish, that we'd be forgiven. He didn't send, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, that's John 17, uh, but that we could be saved. That's why he came, John 3.17, did I say that? Uh, Anyway, love is... God is love. Love is at the root of it all. Now, when we see the word love in the Bible, there's four different Greek words. I I believe it's someone's referred to it as the four loves. Um, The Greek words are storge. That's a empathy or a bond like with family. Then there's philia. That's a friendship, love, a bond that exists because you share common values or interests or activities with people. There's eros, which is the Romantic love, I guess is where we get the word erotic. Um, And then there's agape, and that's what John is talking about, the unconditional love of God. Um, This is a love that exists regardless of changing circumstances, and this is how we are instructed to love. This love is what produces acts of mercy and acts of grace and acts of faith. At the root of it all, a love. A love for what? A love for God and a love for others. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment, that everything hinges on our love, to love with all of our heart, to love with all of our strength and our soul and our mind. Well, we can't do that in and of ourselves. That itself is supernatural, isn't it? Even when Jesus was asked, when you know, he said, "Love is your neighbor." In the book of Luke, uh, Luke also records this, and uh, a lawyer asked him, "Well, who is my neighbor?" And that's where Jesus gave the story of the good Samaritan, an example of a Samaritan who was, you know, considered despised by the Jews, half breeds. Yet it was the Samaritan that showed mercy and helped the man that had been robbed and thrown in a ditch, went the extra mile and uh, bandaged the guy up and took him to an inn and and paid for him and gave him extra money, said, I'll come back and check on him later. Basically, this act of love, this act of mercy, rather, was was what Jesus gave as an example of what it means to love our neighbor, someone that's different than us. He also used, you know, the the priest and those that were, you know, the religious people that overlooked this person that was in the ditch because they were too busy, I guess, doing the work of the ministry. Man, that's easy to fall into for all of us. So obviously, I'm checking my heart there. You know, there's parts of uh, of my work that I love to do, um, and there's parts of my work that I despise or I'm not fond of. Um, you know, the administrative stuff, I don't, you know, calling uh, the prisons, calling the chaplains sometimes. Some chaplains, matter of fact, most are wonderful, but getting through to them, getting events scheduled, which is what we're doing right now, 
um, you know, they don't know the, the sacrifice and the work and the endeavor that, that, that we put into what we're trying to bring. And uh, some of them don't appreciate that. And I can get jaded by that. And so I, oh, it's just a task that is, I don't know. But if I let, if I say, wait a minute, this is as much an act of love, loading the camper up, uh, repairing things, you know, that have to be repaired. I'm, you know, this kind of thing, getting out in the hot sun and fixing stuff on the RV, I'm boohooing. But if I recognize that all of this is an act of love before God, that this is just like being broken down on the side of the road, mercy is the motive, mercy being an act of love, you know. Um, I'm just kind of getting a revelation of this this morning myself, that when we show mercy, when we show grace to someone, it's rooted in love. Let it be rooted in love. And what you know, The definition of love is probably not a better definition than, well, we know God is love, but uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul warns us, he said, look, even if I speak with tongues of men or angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm just drawing attention to myself for myself's sake. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. What is love? Well, love is patient and it's kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. Oh my gosh, just check my heart. I can be irritable all the time. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Uh, The last part of that verse, I'll skip the, the next verses, but verse 13 so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Man, that's my prayer. Lord, help me love. I love you. Help me love my neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Even people that are the exact opposite of me. Listen, I think I said this in one of the recent podcasts about a sermon I heard where Tyler Grant said that acceptance and approval are two different things. I don't have to approve Uh, of what someone is doing with their life to love. You know, Jesus even said, love your enemies, love those that persecute you, that I'm to demonstrate love toward those people. You know, there is truth to hate the sin, but love the sinner. Uh, People have, you know, um, misused that perhaps because they haven't demonstrated love to the sinner. Yeah, we hate sin because sin hurts people, and we love people because God loves people. So love, whatever it is that we're doing, let love be the root. But meanwhile, all of us have to guard against when we're trying to advance in our job, when we're we're trying to you know acquire a certain position or a certain power or or money or whatever. Um, we've got to guard against selfish ambition. We've got to guard guard against our craving for recognition, and that's never been more evident than with social media today, that we do crave recognition, you know, to be made to feel like we count, we matter. And and that's that's natural. I think we all want to feel like we, we count and we matter, but I'll tell you that if we will love like God loves, 
we will be seen as people that count and matter. Um, we've got to guard against our, our desire for money and position and power just for that, for its sake. And say, well, no, I want this position or I want this money or, you know, this, this prosperity so that I can demonstrate the love of God. So how, how do we apply this like um, to, to every everyday life? Well, again, it goes back like today. I've got to make some phone calls. I've got to send some emails. I've got to deal with the administrative uh, aspect of what we do. And I've got to consciously say, wait a minute. This, you know, sometimes I can feel like, well, when we're on the stage in front of those inmates declaring how much God loves them and values them, that that is, that's the coup de grace. It is kind of, but so is every phone call. So is every act of administrative work. If I will look at it that way, you know, that John also says uh, in First John chapter four, he says that love cast out all fear. Uh, one of the biggest fears that all of us have is the fear of rejection, and part of that, I guess, can be because we, well, we don't like rejection, and we, so let me give you a great example of how the Lord helped me to overcome this fear of rejection when it when it came to let's say that that uh, you want to you're asking for a sale or you're asking for a raise all right well we don't do those things partly because we fear rejection As a matter of fact artists don't present their art to the world because they fear rejection now some of that is coming from a self-focus you're thinking about yourself, preaching to my to myself here, okay? So there was this time, and I, I, I probably shared this story before, but I'm, it, it's actually uh, relevant to what I'm talking about. Um, I, I have shared this, I'm sure, but I know you have, all of you haven't listened to all of the podcasts, so I repeat myself. So it was in the mid-90s, actually, it was 1996, it was probably November, early December of 1996. And I, the computers, the internet was really becoming prolific. Everybody was getting the internet and, and my kids were small and I wanted them to have the advantages of computer learning and I wanted them to be learning about this stuff. But I was a youth pastor making not a lot of money, um, but God was providing, but I wanted to buy them a new computer. Well, I don't have nearly enough money to buy a computer. In those days, you, you couldn't get a home computer for less than a couple thousand dollars, I guess, a decent one. And, uh, and so I, I was in Virginia Beach just before Christmas, uh, probably early December, I should say. And uh, I was going to get my hair cut, and I got out of my car, and I noticed this tattered book. I still have this book. It's just a, even more tattered. It was called The World's Greatest Salesman by a man named Og Mandino, I think his name is. And uh, I, I thought, that's weird. You know, just a little book just laying in the parking lot. And I picked it up and I read it. And in, in the book, it, he writes kind of like in a parable form. And he tells the story of this really wealthy man that's about to die. And he wants to leave uh, his greatest possession to his servant. His greatest possession is not all of his money and all of his gold. Rather, it's this, I guess, trunk or treasure chest or something that contains 10 scrolls. And, uh, and then in the book, 
the, it, the scrolls are un, unraveled, I guess, each chapter, you know, basically an instruction, you know, the guy's writing in parable form, if you guess, I guess you call it that. Um, there's probably a better literary term. But he says um, in the first one, it's on love and the importance of love. I don't have it in front of me. I can't read it to you. But basically, he instru- the, the rich man instructs the servant to read these scrolls every day, three times a day for 30 days. Well, I didn't get through them all, but I read the one on love over and over, and it just gave me a revelation of how important it was to love. And I started looking for opportunities to show love. Now, I'm going to blow my heavenly reward. But one time, there was this bummy-looking guy standing out in front of a grocery store, and he asked me for a quarter to use the payphone. Remember payphones? Remember when they cost a dime? Well, this is when they cost a quarter. Well, the Lord checked my heart. I just gave the guy a $20 bill. And I felt uh, more blessed to give than to receive. I didn't have that $20 to give away, but I felt I just had this heart to, I want to I want to demonstrate love, you know, after I read that book. Well, then I went to a circuit city to to scope out computers, even though I didn't have any money for one. And I saw they were hiring help for the holidays. Now, let me tell you, if there's one thing I couldn't stand to do in those days, and still I'm not real fond of it, it was to try to sell something. Who likes a salesman, right? They're all over you. They're pressuring you. You know, I, I can't stand when I'm in a store and a salesman walks up to me. I'm like, no, I'm just looking. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll come ask you if I need something. And, and But that sign checked in my heart. You know, I, I, maybe I just read this book, which was really a book about sales. And if, if I'll make love the motive that I'm, I'm trying to sell you a computer that I would buy because God loves you and I love you. Maybe I could do that job. So I applied and I got it. Long story short, I can't do that now. But um, I made enough money working for Circuit City to buy my kids that computer. But I sincerely did when I... There were computers that I could sell and make more commission off of that were going out of style or, or whatever. Um, but I tried to push the ones that I would buy for myself out of a genuine love. And you know what? Some people rejected me. Some people treated me like a pushy salesman. But I knew in my heart, that's okay. I'm just trying to help you. And I'm here if you need me. And God showed me the supernatural through that. And I keep going back to that book because I fall down in this area of let love be the motive. You know, God has spoken to me about let mercy be the motive, but mercy is a fruit of love. Let love be the motive. So how do we love like God loves? Well, first, we've got to recognize how much God loves us. You know, how much he cares about what we're going through, how much value he places on us. And and listen, this is like not fresh revelation to me, but it's a stark reminder that I can get out of sync And if I'll go back to, look, let everything I have to do today, even the things I dread doing, let love be at the heart of it. Help me, God, to love people the way that you love me. And uh, so when we go into prisons, that really is what we're trying to do. When we bring our big sound equipment in and put on a bigger-than-expected event for these guys— we're trying to demonstrate the love of God. And we've seen the fruit of that. Listen, um, it's hard because most of you, nearly all of you, have never been to a prison event with us. But 
I've said before, we could show up with an acoustic guitar and a Bible in our hand and still be doing prison ministry and still be raising money to do it. Uh, but we push you know, two cartloads of gear in, set up a big sound system. We try to go the extra mile to declare God's value because we recognize how much he values us. And I haven't shared it, but recently uh, Susan has gone through health challenges actually since the first of the year, quite a few. She's doing well right now. Uh, but even this past week, you know, I, I was like, you know, I just feel like as a husband, I, you know, I've got you out there in the hot sun pushing a cart to get in this prison. And, and uh, man, I feel like, you know, I just got to find other people to help us and all. And she goes, no, I love doing that. It gives me purpose. Man, that helped me a lot. Um, that's just a side note. But we, because we have done this for now, I, I think we're going into our 12th year. Um, it is paying off in that we can go in and see a packed chapel. Not every ministry sees that at all because they know they're going to get better, uh, not better, just maybe bigger. You know, they're, they're going to get a, a big deal. We're going to put on a show for them. Uh, we're going to entertain them. We're, we're going to edify them. And we're also going to preach the gospel and hopefully evangelize the lost. And so... I got a letter, uh, I put it in her newsletter, you might have seen it on Facebook, but I'll read it here too. Recently, from the fruit of that, Lucas, an inmate at Northwest Florida Reception Center down there, Panama City, wrote us a letter, and he said, I want y'all to know, I thought what y'all did was real cool, and I do in, in plan to invite the heathen next time. We always tell them, hey, we want your heathen friends in here. Uh, he said, it was so meaningful that you went through so much trouble to come and spend time with us, perform, and bring your message. If nothing else, though there is, what I got out of it, and I believe all who attended would, re would have received on some level, is that I'm cared for and I matter to God ultimately. I think this is very important in helping guys be less prone to victimize others and destroy themselves, but rather choose to be productive for the kingdom of God. Well, that's our goal, you know, is to declare. It, you cannot love others until you recognize how much God loves you. And so, and so our reaction to not feeling loved uh, is often to hurt other people. Um, you know, to, to we not only don't love them, but we do things that bring about hurt. We're not happy with ourselves because we, we have not experienced how much God loves us. And so, you know, recognize that this morning, and I'm sure most of you that listen understand that, but really sit back and think about how much God loves you, and then pray, God, help me to love others the way that you've loved me. A second thing of how we love like God loves, now this is going to sound a little self-absorbed, but it's not. <coughs> Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. To some degree, we have to love ourselves. We have to value ourselves. Too often, we equate our value by things like how we look, how much we weigh, how much we earn, how much we've accomplished, but that's a false measure. And it's amplified these days by TV and movies and social media and all those things uh, that, that this is what's valuable. No, no. We value ourselves because, and we love ourselves 
partly, well, mostly because God loves us and values us. But we, we have to recognize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are unique, that we're the only one of us that has ever been and only ever will be, that we have certain skills, abilities, and experiences that are unique to us, certain bents, certain desires, and that as we abide in Christ, we discover those works he prepared in advance for us to do. Now again, we may not approve of some things about ourselves, but we've got to accept ourselves. We've got to love ourselves, not, again, not in some self-absorbed, perverted way, but just a genuine value that I am unique and and I am precious in the sight of God. You know, make it your homework to kind of search out the scriptures where uh, we are defined. You know, I did the whole series I forget the title of this series, but that that uh, we are priests before God, that we are chosen by God. That's kind of the uh, incognito was the series. Um, that that's who we really are. That that we are 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 kings and priests before the Lord. And no matter what, how much you earn or what position you hold in life, um, that God loves you, and therefore you are valuable. And I've got to value myself the way that God values me. So love is the secret to seeing the supernatural. Preaching to myself, I know. Love for God and others produces acts of mercy and grace and faith. And uh, that's where we see God move in our lives. Let love be at the root. And how do I apply it? Well, go back to how do we love like God loves? First, we recognize how much he loves us. And then we love ourselves. We value ourselves, not in some weird, perverted way, but the way that God loves us. We recognize we're fearfully and wonderfully made, regardless of you know, maybe some things in our lives, again, that we don't approve of, but we accept ourselves where we are right now today. And we go out into our work day today, uh, in, into our week, looking for opportunities. Lord, help me love. Help people to see your love in my eyes. And that can be as simple as letting somebody cut you off in traffic if need be. Um, th- that can be showing an act of generosity. But we, we pray for those opportunities. Lord, let me have an opportunity to demonstrate your love, to overlook an offense, whatever. It is. I, God will show you if you'll ask him, how can I demonstrate your love to others today? When we live like that, we will see. I can only speak from our experience. But when we have lived not thinking too much about ourselves, but really, not you don't let people walk all over you, but you know what I'm saying, right? Is that we're, we're saying, you know what, let love be the driver of everything that I do today, of the way that I speak today. Let me be cognizant. Let me be aware. as I, Let me abide in you throughout the day and demonstrate your love to others. It's there we see supernatural things happen. Bless you. Have a great day. Sometimes fallen angels fly I want to remind you that Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. We appreciate your prayers and gifts of support to keep us on the road and in prison.